0: This is the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast with Lindsay Preston, episode 25, Patriarchy Stress Disorder. Welcome to the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast, the show for goal-getting, fear-facing women who are kicking ass by creating change. I'm your host, Lindsay Preston. I'm a wife, mom of two, and a multi-certified life coach to women all over the world, I've lived through enough in life to know that easier doesn't always equate to better. We can't fear the fire. We must learn to become it. And on this show, I'll teach you how to do just that. So join me as I challenge you to become even more of the strong, resilient, and powerful woman you are meant to be. Let's do this. Unstoppable. Thank you for tuning in to one of the most important episodes I think I have ever done on my history of podcasts. What I'm going to talk about today is mind-blowing. It has certainly blown my mind in the past few weeks as I've been introduced to this concept Today, I'm going to interview Dr. Valerie Rain, and she's going to talk to us about a term that she has coined called patriarchy stress disorder. This, again, has been revolutionary for me in so many ways that even just recording this intro, I'm at near tears because there's just been a missing piece in my life with all the work that I've done. And lately, I've just had this feeling of why am I still holding on to something? Why is there something that's still holding me back? Even though I have a great life and I feel good and I know all the tools for success and I've helped so many people, what is it? What is still there? And it's been this patriarchy stress disorder. And it has revolutionized the way. I am thinking about myself and the world. Let me give you a little background on our interview guest today. As I said, it's Dr. Valerie Rain, and she is a psychologist, women's mental health expert, and business consultant who helps people achieve the best ROI by achieving the best mental health without therapy. Dr. Valerie specializes in uncovering the hidden traumas that hold hostage people's best work, relationships, and well-being, and effectively heals them with a powerful mind-body mythology. She holds an EDM in psychological counseling from Columbia University and a PhD from the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology. Dr. Valerie Rain is incredible, my friend. So incredible. I am honored to have her on the show today. I kind of talk about why I brought her on my story with this whole patriarchy stress disorder and the magic of us even connecting together. And we cover so much in this interview. It's almost an hour long just with the interview. I had so many questions for her. She gave so much wisdom and goodness. And I must say her work aligns very closely to my work and what I do with my clients. And it's just ignited a fire in me to realize at a deeper level how much the work that I'm doing is great and amazing. And we briefly touch on that and how talk therapy isn't as effective or things of just doing mind work, how we have to get our body involved. And I do that with my clients in my Become an Unstoppable Woman coaching process. And she does it with her clients. And, oh, we're just A powerful connection together and we talk about things like the inner mean girl on this interview which she talks about as prison guards and um just so good if you're a client of mine i'm really glad you're tuning into this i think this interview will add a deeper layer to what we've done and if you haven't worked with me hopefully this interview will wake you up to seeing hey Maybe I need to do some deeper work either with me and or Dr. Valerie and um, Dr. Valerie and I may be even getting together and doing some work together here as um, her course comes out and me promoting it because I really think her work just takes mine and adds another layer to it. So uh, I could go on and on about why I wanted this interview today and why I wanted her, but I'll save it for your listening ears here in a bit as I interview Dr. Valerie Rain. Here she is. Dr. Valerie Rain, I am so excited and thrilled to have you on the show today. It is a huge honor for me that you are here. And I didn't tell you this when we um, just jumped on the the phone here, but your work has been so timely for me. I have Mm -hmm. been doing my own personal development work. And my coach has kept asking me for weeks on end, Lindsay, who are you so mad at? And Mm -hmm. I had done so much work on my parents and Mm -hmm. on things of my background. And the thought that kept coming to my mind was I'm so mad at the patriarchy. And I thought I was crazy. And I thought I was so weird and I couldn't even say it out loud uh-huh. to my coach to tell her that. And when I saw your episode go live on Allie Brown's show, Glambristan radio, who it's a show that I love. I love Allie. Um, I immediately downloaded, started listening and it was like a whole new world opened up for me. I felt like I could just ball in the car of this is how I've been feeling and I had no idea. And you've put it in words in such a beautiful way. So thank you so much for what you're doing in the world. And I just have to hear from your mouth, you know, tell everybody about this term you've coined called patriarchy stress disorder or PSD for short and what it's all about.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Lindsay. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for sharing the role PSD, discovering it, has played in your life so far. And thank you, um, everyone who is tuning in right now and sharing your time with us. I hope that this is going to be a very valuable conversation. So how I discovered it uh, started with my own journey of figuring out what is wrong with me. And as most women I know, I've been on this journey since I became aware of myself as a human being in society, probably preschoolish, early elementary, what's wrong with me? Uh, Later on, I developed anxiety, uh, I developed depression, started going to therapy, and Therapy is wonderful, right? It gives you a lot of insight, but it was not resolving my anxiety or depression. And uh, luckily, serendipitously, I stumbled into first yoga as my first experience of mind-body working together and experiencing a real shift in how I was feeling. So anxiety and depression started shifting a little bit. And that led me to trauma resolution work, mind-body trauma resolution work. And I didn't think that I had any trauma, but I was already a practicing psychotherapist. So I went to this training to get some tools to help my clients. And little did I know, and I was really surprised when this training changed my life completely. I released deep trauma. And with this work, you don't even need to know what trauma you're releasing because it's lodged in the body. And when it's released, your life literally transforms. And that actually began my entrepreneurial journey because that training led me to quitting a toxic job (laughs) and discovering my power So I brought these tools into working with my clients and I mostly worked with women and I saw the same life-changing results. And so I started wondering what trauma could we all have without realizing it? Because we didn't have uh, life-threatening experiences. I didn't. My clients didn't. And research was coming out at that time showing that trauma is genetically transmitted from generation to generation. And that was my light bulb moment. Ah, women have been oppressed for thousands of years. Oppression is traumatic. Trauma is genetically transmitted. So we are born with the trauma of oppression encoded in our DNA and trauma adaptations that signal to us, To keep on dimming our light because it has never been safe for a woman to be in her full power, her full expression. And that is why, that is, I firmly see it as one of the core reasons why we have this pandemic of anxiety, depression, addiction, burnout, problems in relationships, that it could all be traced down to women dimming their own light based on that ancient inherited trauma.
0: Yeah, and just that alone, it clicked so much for me to hear that because as I'm getting bigger in my career every mm-hmm. level has been it's like i have to process it and i get scared yeah. and i think when is this going to go away i don't understand why am i so fearful of being seen and making money and and you know having it all in essence isn't this what i wanted mm-hmm. and so hearing you say that was this just makes so much
1: sense yeah thank you for sharing that Lindsay because it it leads me to making this point that um, a lot of women find liberating because we are now in, in the position, in a unique position. Our generation finally has the opportunity to really, really have it all, really do whatever we want. And the higher we go, the more we reach for our desires, you would think we would be happier. Yes, there is a sense of accomplishment, but at the same time, there is also a sense of growing unease and burnout and other negative effects that I mentioned. Sometimes relationships take a toll, or there's trouble finding love and creating that intimacy, or holding back from that next level, what, what they call the upper limit problem, or the imposter syndrome, or the inner critic. And The explanation is actually very simple, because we are venturing further and further outside the quote-unquote safe area, further and further into the territory that historically has been punishable, forbidden and punishable for women, oftentimes by torture and death. Our nervous system, our subconscious, they carry that information. We don't think that way. We don't think, oh, it's unsafe for me to be a public speaker. We don't think that way. It's unsafe for me to make lots of money. It's unsafe for me to be loved and adored. But our subconscious <laughs> knows that. And so the, the higher up we go, the more it gets activated. And we need to understand it. We need to heal it. We need to realize there's nothing wrong with us. Um, Medication and wine are not the only ways to handle that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There is a deeper invitation for healing, not only for ourselves, although that's wonderful, but the ripple effects go into our families, into our relationships. And every woman, basically, we come in contact with and and affect and future generations.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about trauma and the patriarchy and how those two kind of have come together. Because I know for me, when I hear you speak about these things and I just think, oh, in my body, it just makes so much sense. But then my mind goes, well, where where does that come together? What does Mm -hmm. she mean by trauma? What does she mean by the patriarchy? Mm -hmm. Can you kind of give us more information there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So so trauma um, has been defined early on in the psychological field as a life-threatening event. And then it started, the field started evolving and understanding that, wait a minute, how about adverse childhood experiences? Are they traumatic? Hell yes, they're traumatic. (laughs) (laughs) And then people started talking about the big T trauma, capital T trauma, um, which includes life-threatening events. And lowercase t trauma which includes other events in our lives and for the sake of simplicity and based on my 20 years of experience in the field and my own journey as a human i define trauma as any experience that made you feel unsafe physically or emotionally and led to develop trauma adaptations to keep you safe going forward, and what I mean by trauma adaptations is uh, falls into three categories: thoughts, uh, expressions in the body, health expressions, anxiety, depression, trouble sleeping, or high energy, low energy, adrenal fatigue, different stuff that shows up in the body, weight, uh, unwanted weight gain or weight loss, and in actions that we take or don't take to keep ourselves safe. So basically, we all have traumatic experiences in our past. If you're a human, you have trauma. I mean, who, who can say, I've never felt unsafe in my entire life, physically or emotionally. Uh, being, just receiving denigrating comments can, can leave... Cars and for a woman <laughs> for a woman it 's just such a daily experience oftentimes uh, growing up and into our adulthood and these are paper cuts. these are not um, knife stabs, but it's it 's possible to um, bleed out from a thousand paper cuts right and each paper cut in itself creates trauma adaptations. That no matter how minor they are and they're all on the spectrum, but it really depends on how we've integrated that experience, how we made sense of it internally and how it recorded in our subconscious and our biology and our nervous system what we do know how we know that we have trauma is that we know that we have trauma defenses the inner critic is a trauma defense the imposter syndrome is a trauma defense all these thoughts that are holding us back the stories that we tell ourselves these are trauma defenses so it's not sufficient and also holding ourselves back from doing what we want to do like it doesn't make sense basically things that don't make sense right They make perfect sense as trauma defenses because look at the end result. It's keeping you safe, quote-unquote safe, in the patriarchal world where, again, it's never been safe for a woman to be visible, powerful, successful, never been an option, fully expressed sexually, intellectually in her work in the world. Does that come together?
0: Oh, absolutely. And I love some of the examples you gave in the book about what you define as this little T trauma of, you gave an example of a client, I forget her name, but she had this beautiful moment at school one day, but her mom had depression mm. and she came home and she was so excited to tell her mom. And she realized her mom was having a bad day and she stuffed it inside. Yeah. And then her body reacted to that of And maybe some thoughts came from that of it's not safe to express my joy. I have to keep it in. It's not safe to be seen. All of those thoughts, right? And I could so relate to all of that. Um, And when you mentioned two of one trauma response is, you know, this inner critic, I just want to tell my audience, this is who we call the inner mean girl. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Valerie in her book, she calls it the prison guards. Kind of tell us why you came up with the term prison guards for this persona inside.
1: Mm. I use the metaphor of the invisible in the prison for for trauma, to describe trauma, because it's such a visceral experience when we, we have a goal, we have a dream, it's so clear, and we have everything we need to reach it. We may intellectually know very well that I'm capable, I can do it, but it's like running into the invisible wall when we start moving toward it. And um, from that metaphor, for, for following that metaphor, uh, the, I started defining or naming the trauma adaptations as prison guards, because they—that's how they function. They keep us in the prison cell. Those, um, what you call, in the mean girl. Those. Stories that we tell ourselves, or sometimes it's the expressions, physical expressions like the body. The body doesn't express uh, our fullest ease and joy and our actions as well. And they live in our subconscious. And an interesting thing that I discovered while working on the book is that neuroscience actually has. Uh, shown again and again that our actions are decided in our subconscious. I'm going to say it again. Our actions are decided in our subconscious. The conscious mind catches up later after the fact to rationalize it. So changing thoughts is not going to get you out of prison. Because the prison guards have already had their say, and whatever the conscious mind, whatever stories we create, they're all just right rationalizations.
0: Yeah. You say it so well in the book. You say, we high-achieving women keep pushing until we break, until we're stopped dead in our tracks by crisis, crises, crisis, and our health, work, and relationships. Only when we're up against a wall do we finally see the prison we're in. So true. It's so mm. true. And you mentioned there that we can't just change the thoughts. So kind of tell us more what we do need to do to escape this prison.
1: Yeah, it is it is a journey and it's a very doable journey. I am on this journey. Um, my clients and students, we are all living proof that uh, the uh, the jailbreak is possible. <laughs> And the journey is not a one-time jailbreak, it's layers. And with each layer of trauma that we uncover and heal, we receive the benefits of being able to express ourselves more, be able to take in the good of life more. Um, create abundance, create love, be bolder, be visible. And it's layer by layer that we reveal that capacity. We become more in full color. We become more powerful, more beautiful, more of who we truly authentically are. And the process I describe in the book and use in my work uh, has five stages. It goes from stage one, waking up in prison, when we... We're actually doing this right now together when we take a look at everything that's been holding us back that we've been uh, thinking about as what's wrong with me and realize that there's nothing wrong with you that this is trauma that we've inherited there is also personal traumatic experiences in in the mix there is collective there is individual all sorts of trauma, even soul trauma. I don't write about it in the book, but it does come up when um I work with clients. So from that from, from that point of discovery, the immediate result is relief. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm not broken. There is a journey that I'm going on to jailbreak. The second stage is meeting the prison guards in the mind and the body and actions and really getting to know them, what they look like, what they sound like, how they behave, so that we're not going to take them down. We're not going to get rid of them because this; these are expressions of our biology. They're trying to keep us safe. So what we do instead, we create a feeling, deep feeling of embodied safety. As we move toward our dreams, we use mind-body-spirit healing methods that are grounded in neuroscience, that are grounded in ancient practices, that are now validated by science. And we evolve. That's what happens in stage three. We evolve our prison guards to be our bodyguards so they can keep us safe on the journey, not inside the prison cell. And in the fourth step, we are now well-equipped to dig the tunnel to freedom. And digging the tunnel involves healing deeper layers of trauma. It's more hands-on work, uh, and you can work with us. You can work with a practitioner, uh, and um, I provide recommendations for that um, in the book on the on the website and uh, DrValerie.com. <laughs> and the final stage is savoring freedom. Once we're out of jail, you would think, ah. I'm done. I've reached my dreams. And interestingly, that's where the work actually begins. The work that when in prison, you you don't even know what that's going to look like. When you emerge, you're like, oh my goodness, what is going on? There are no more rules, basically. There are no more patterns that you're following. And you are there to create your life from you designed by your desires consciously create your life and what we encounter there is what i call pleasure police when we start driving over the speed limit of our mothers grandmothers ancestors and the patriarchy the pleasure police tries to stop us slow us down and that happens in all areas money love self-expression, business. And if we don't know what's going on, again, we're going to be like, oh, it's the upper limit problem. I'm just going to push through that. But it's not going to be effective because what we actually need to do, we need to increase our physical, energetic capacity to bring in more good. Trauma shrinks us. Trauma, if you think of any painful experience in your life, Notice how your body reacts. It just goes, Ooh, it just pulls in. It just closes up. And that is, we have a long history of that. So the channels through which the goodness runs, abundance, juice, self-expression, they have withered, they have shrunk down, and we need to expand them. We need to help them, ah, release that junk that has been clogging them. Again, unprocessed emotions, including including happiness, as you brought up, Lindsay, including joy that was never reflected back to us. And that is also clogging those channels. So a lot of work actually happens in that fifth stage. And I call it shifting from the game of how much can I bear, the game of survival, to the game of thriving, or how good can it get? And that game of how good can it get is truly never ending. I myself discover new layers doing this same work day in and day out. In my free time, I work with clients and and give talks, but my full-time occupation pretty much is is my own liberation layer by layer more and more.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can so relate to this waking up process of these five steps of Mm -hmm. realizing you're in prison. That was me just a few years ago, getting to know those prison guards, or as I said, we call them inner girls and then turning them into bodyguards and the, the tunnel to freedom. And then now you're right. I am just experiencing this pleasure police constantly. Mm -hmm. And it is a question of how good can it get? And then the pleasure police come in and say, well, I don't know. And they're always questioning, always holding me back. Mm -hmm. The way you have just put this together, Valerie, is incredible. It's incredible. I, I just feel like I'm your biggest fan, but I do want to say um, and talk about something you mentioned earlier, and you've mentioned a couple times, and I know about it, but somebody listening may not, and that's intergenerational trauma. Mm
1: -hmm. And I would
0: love for you to share the cherry blossom story with us. Oh,
1: thank you for asking. This experiment is so elegant, and it really illustrates how a generational trauma is passed down and illustrates PSD. The researchers um, uh, introduced the smell of cherry blossoms to mice while zapping their feet with mild electric shocks. Later, after this experience, the mice were bred and their children and their children's children, their grandchildren, when exposed to the smell of cherry blossoms, showed a strong fear and anxiety reaction. Okay, let that sink in for a moment. The Mice didn't tell their children there is that thing called cherry blossoms. Your feet will be zapped when you smell it, right? For all we know, mice don't use storytelling. Yeah. So the neuroscientists actually took a look inside the brains of mice, and they discovered that mice... Um, Oh, it's complicated. I'm not gonna go go into the details, but basically, they they have discovered that this experience was indeed genetically transmitted, and PSD is is us is women fearing the smell of cherry blossoms. What is cherry blossoms for us? It's everything we desire. It's everything that we desire that our mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers could not have. And in fact, if they even thought of reaching for it, if they even dared, that that was a punishable thing. I was shocked to discover, and that was after I wrote the book, I was talking to somebody. Lots of great conversations are happening now because women are resonating with the book and they're sharing. So. This woman was um sharing that someone she knows had this experience very um like in, in this lifetime that his mother was locked up in asylum by his dad that was 1950s or early sixties in the US because his dad had had a girlfriend, had a mistress, and he just wanted the mother out of the way. And and this man carries this horrible trauma because his mother first disappeared and then came back in a wheelchair drooling, right? She was a perfectly fine woman who just, her only um, offense was that she was in the way of her husband having an affair. And that was in 1950s, early 60s in the US, not effing ancient history. Yeah that that disempowerment runs so deep and and the crimes against women have been so profound and so painful us not owning our bodies not owning money not having access to gainful employment working for free always working for free and and now we're wondering oh how come i have money blocks right Is there something I need to fix in myself? No. There is, is, you don't need fixing. You are perfect. And there is trauma that we all carry. I carry it. You carry it. Everyone listening. (laughs) And and it's not something that makes us broken. It's something that we have inherited. It's just a part of history. And we have the golden opportunity now to heal. We have access not only to opportunity in the outer world to play big, which is awesome. And we have access to these tools for deeper healing that our mothers and grandmothers did not have. Yeah.
0: Again, just makes so much sense to me. The past year or so, my husband has been been on this genealogy kick and he would sit down and show me my lineage, especially Mm -hmm. I would look at the women. And I just kept getting this feeling and I would start to hear their stories and I would think, why do I feel so connected to these stories and how they were treated? And I don't understand because I've never met these people. And yet I I knew a little bit about intergenerational trauma and I thought maybe that was it. But then hearing it again with PSD is like, this is it. This is what has been passed down to me. And then too, like you said, the history has not been that ancient. And Mm -hmm. as I've been doing my own history discovery of, you know, just listening to, to silly things like Dolly Parton's podcast recently. And there was a whole episode about what she was listening to as a little girl about women being killed when they were pregnant, when they shouldn't be. And all these other things that happened in the fifties and sixties with unwed mothers and all that, just from a sexual perspective, it was like, holy moly, like this is in my absolute DNA because that was my mother's time when she was born. And yeah, I mean, it's just, I hope everyone listening is feeling that too, because to me, it's just very earth shattering to kind of take
1: all that in. It is so chilling. So for our listeners, if you're feeling activated, we bring up a lot, just take a moment to feel your feet on the floor, feel the support of the furniture, feel your breath moving through your body and look around you, look around you, take in through your eyes, take in the safety of your environment, that nothing is physically threatening you right now. It's the message to your hindbrain. I know that your your prefrontal cortex, your executive brain knows theoretically that you're safe, but it is our hindbrain that creates that um, safety or, or needs that safety reassurance. So... Take in the environment, listen for sounds, listen and smell and touch. Use all your senses, taste if that's available to you. And just take a moment to settle in the safety of the present moment. I actually have a tool on my website that you can use that can help you restore that safety. If you go to drvaler.com forward slash repower, it's a little audio that, that can help you whenever you're feeling triggered, or even when you're not feeling triggered, to keep on cultivating that feeling of embodied safety. That's um, that's a that's a practice that I constantly use and share with all my clients and students when we begin working together. And to what you were sharing, Lindsay, about the experiences that we've inherited, they don't even have to be terribly traumatic little T trauma. remember a friend of mine remembers growing up as a little girl, just seeing her parents dynamic. her mom didn't work and her so her dad was the provider and her dad would play this l- little game with mother. He would give her the money, her allowance for the week, right, give her the money and then tease her and kind of oh no no, not so fast and pull it back. And it was like a weekly occurrence that she witnessed. It may seem like this innocent joke, but it was so deeply wounding for her mother and for her. Just think of the message, right? Of like you, like I can do however I please. I can give you money. I cannot give you money. You're completely at my mercy.
0: Yeah. I hope everyone listening just takes that in because I feel, I told you, Valerie, before we started, she's preaching to the choir with me, and I know the power of all this. And I start to open the eyes of my clients with all of this, of how these little things that you you blow off later, the logical mind says, oh, it wasn't that big of the deal. Mm-hmm. But in your body and in your the back part of your mind, that unconscious or subconscious, mm-hmm. it is there and it is making choices for you whether you like it or not.
1: Yeah, the body remembers Everything, even the things that we don't even consciously know. When I, like the deep I go into this work, so many things come up. I recently remembered, my body remembered as I was doing this work, um, my experience in utero when, when I was in my mother's belly and experiencing physically her anxiety and her fear and how I was already born with this knowing of the world as an unsafe place based on what my mother was feeling. And it came in so clearly through my body, that memory, that embodied memory. Obviously I don't have a conscious memory of being in my mother's belly. And so that that's the magic of this work. We don't know what layer of trauma is gonna show up. It's not like I remembered it, but I was able to experience and release it. And that is when the magic happens. Because then all of a sudden, the world is not an unsafe place anymore, right? Layer by layer. Let's talk about
0: that for a minute because you mentioned that in your book about how trauma blocks abundance because I can hear so many women listening to this and saying, okay, I know that the trauma is there, but I do not have the time nor the energy to go in and do Mm -hmm. this work, Mm -hmm. Um, but kind of share with them what they're really missing out on by not doing it.
1: Mm, it's a great question. And on the back cover of my book, I uh, I say you'll discover uh, what takes up ninety percent of your time and energy. And I was just um, giving a presentation at a at a mastermind from successful women, and and that's the one that women were attracted to. Everybody wants to know because everybody wants to have more time and energy. And I'm going to tell you because I told you the background already. Uh, that it's prison guards. 90% of your time and energy right now is consumed by the prison, fighting the prison guards. Don't take my word for it. Just track it. How much time do you spend fighting your own thoughts or the physical expressions? Oh, I have this interview coming up and I, I and I got sick, so I need to reschedule. Oh, I... Um, I have anxiety, so I need you know take care of that, or I'm depressed, I can't get out of bed, or whatever is coming up. Or in terms of action, I need to write this important email, but all of a sudden, I just need to check Facebook for business. And then three hours later, and 50 tabs open, the email didn't get written, and then a week later, it's too late. So that's where the time and energy goes. Prison guards, hello. And so when we engage in trauma healing work, we actually reclaim the time. The ROI is mind-blowing. We reclaim the time, we reclaim the energy. And things become possible that are just not currently possible, which is also a huge and surprising Um. Lindsay, I have synchronicity in my life now like I've never experienced before. Sometimes I feel like, oh, my, my dreams just uh, keep bleeding into my reality. I, just circumstances aligning perfectly, the right people coming into my life to support oh, my work. So easy. like I don't struggle anymore. I'm also in a mind-blowingly amazing relationship that I never thought would be possible for me never ever and that took a lot of work in the fifth stage (laughs) of how good can it get to even allow it to take it in that amount of intimacy and adoration and support in every area that is very anti-patriarchal right to to um, embody that worthiness yes i am Worthy of everything, and that's a and that's a tall order for us. And you, you said how uh, trauma is Teflon to abundance. I sometimes say, it's it's very simple. Trauma uh, creates defenses to keep us safe, and they make us a closed system. We're closed. We're closed to input and output, so we don't express ourselves as brightly. We don't shine it as brightly because we're closed. And we can't take in what life has to offer us. These amazing relationships, lots of money, lots of opportunity. We can't because prison guards, because we're closed. As we heal, we begin to become more and more open. And then we're in the flow. It's as simple as that. And it's not changing your thinking. <laughs> I just want to emphasize that. It, only, it, it can get you going a little bit, but it will not it will not be sustainable because basically if one prison guard you like fool a prison guard, fool you're in the critic prison guard (laughs) Uh, and but then something else will come up. Something will come up in the body. So many successful women suffer from adrenal fatigue, hormonal imbalances, they can't sleep, they can't relax without a glass of wine or a pill. And there's trouble in relationships, can get sexual satisfaction and these are all prison guards these are all symptoms of trauma so just let that sink in and then make a choice make make a conscious choice know that healing is available to you now the the knowledge is available to you you can choose to ignore it and say well not me (laughs) and then just look at the evidence now in my life it has been very compelling and in the life of uh, women I know. And, And when we start to give healing a chance, the evidence of what healing creates in our life is just overwhelming. I, I hear from women every day how this book has changed my life. or this work, I've attracted a most amazing relationship into my life. And these are women who were already successful and thought that their lives were good. And then reading the book, they realized, oh, I am living in survival and not thriving. How can I shift into thriving? And they engaged in this healing that opened up a whole new level of ease and income in their business. And parenting and health and fitness women are releasing weight without trying it's just the domino effect of how good can it get
0: yeah I completely agree and I've experienced this in my own life and I feel like some people look at me like I'm crazy because I say life just flows things just Mm -hmm. happen even (laughs) with this interview Dr. Valerie I was listening to you on Glambition radio as I mentioned Allie Brown's podcast and I found you on Instagram just followed you and then I continued to go about my errands for the day. And I just sat there and I thought, I've got to get this woman on my show. Would mm-hmm. she come? How could I pitch it? And, you know, all of this stuff. And then later I opened up my Instagram and and you had already responded and said, I would love to come on your show. And I thought, <laughs> how magical. I don't even have to pitch to her. This is perfect. I was, I was like on cloud nine because, again, it was the magic of the universe, but I wouldn't have created that. Had I not done this kind of work yeah. and same on your end, you didn't even have to try because I already knew you. I already knew that I wanted you to come and oh, it's just beautiful.
1: So mm, yeah, thank you for I, sharing that.
0: Yeah. And I could hear you talk all day, but I know we only have a little bit of time left. So I have two more things that I want to bring up real mm-hmm. quick. The first is, and I found this so fascinating when you mentioned it in your book and on Ali's interview is that women after the 2016 election and during the Brett Kavanaugh case, you saw a big shift happen. And I felt this too. And I kept wondering why am I so impacted, especially by the Brett Kavanaugh stuff? Because I haven't mm-hmm. been sexually abused. And anyway, yeah. um, and I just kept thinking, what is this? So can you kind of explain what you've seen?
1: Yeah. So during 2016 elections, I um I was still working in New York as a as a therapist. I was running my practice and I I saw a lot of women, um, and uh, even it didn't matter how the woman voted or if she voted, the shift was palpable. It's like the light has gone out of women, and they didn't consciously even, not all of them were aware that they were being impacted by this, but... There was an increase in anxiety, decrease in self-esteem, and just there was a lot of like a lack of ease in themselves. And Brad Kavanaugh oh, brought up so much. And thank you for sharing that you were impacted even not having the history of sexual violation. It's we're all interconnected. We're all this is a collective experience that we share because if you identify as a woman, you are a part of a greater collective. And anytime you t- turn on the news and you hear violations perpetrated against women, anyway, in the world, you're impacted, even if you don't consciously think about it. But the fact that in Saudi Arabia, women couldn't vote till 2012, I believe, and couldn't drive until 2018. Um, if, if I'm off by by a few months, please forgive me, but um, these are the numbers that are very recent that, that have stuck in my brain. We're impacted by that. That signals to our collective nervous system that we're hooked into and by virtue of that to our individual subconscious that we are not worthy We're not worthy. A woman is not worthy of being a president. A woman cannot be a president. And uh, a woman can be sexually assaulted, and the perpetrator will not be brought to justice. Basically, perpetrators have free reign and women have no rights. That's the message that we get. And then our nervous systems, again, go into overdrive, overdrive, manifest in depression, anxiety, addiction, holding back, hiding when we need to be shining, just. Not feeling quite happy, quite expressed, quite fulfilled. And that is why.
0: Wow. That's incredible. Because again, it was those moments of what is wrong with me? I don't understand why I'm feeling this. Yeah. And you've just brought it all together so well. Well, the last Mm -hmm. thing I want to ask you is you mentioned this several times in the book the idea that there's nothing more dangerous to a patriarchal status quo than a woman who's in touch with her desires. Mm -hmm. Tell us more why that's (laughs) such a threat.
1: (laughs) <laughs> it is such a threat um it's such a threat that even now if if i ask you to get in touch with your desire m- m- my bet is that you're not going to be able to get in touch with your desire fully it may show up a little bit but not the fullness of what you desire to be, to express, to experience in the world, because even that is protected by prison guards. And I have a, I have a practice that goes with the book, Supplemental Materials. It's a meditation on your desire. So that's also on my website um, oh, in the book, Supplemental Materials. Why desire is so disruptive? Well, it's because it's authentic and it is our power for millennia women have been sustaining or um, I guess allowing patriarchy to exist by complying with what has been demanded of us and we in all fairness it's not like we had like we were well I'm not going to go into that making argument if we had a choice or we, we didn't have a choice the the fact of the matter is that we have been in compliance with what patriarchy demanded from us and uh, when we snap out of that compliance it first starts with questioning where am i complying with the status quo where am i not using my own desire as my north star and not the desire um, not what i think i should want dressed up as desire or my family should want, or or the society wants from me right now, but my authentic desire, because that disrupts the status quo. We cannot have our desires under the current status quo, internally and externally, because it requires recognizing. Having what we desire requires recognizing our worth, our power, our true power, our true beauty. That is never conditional. (laughs) and patriarchy pretty much revolves on making everything conditional for women making women feel like shit and selling stuff to us that we don't need based on shame right yeah yeah you don't you don't look good you're you're too old you're too fat you are. um oh you're single something's wrong with you or you're right there's always always that so for us to have what we desire we need to very consciously rebel against buying into the status quo internally, thinking that way, that something is wrong with us, and get in touch with the desire that will be our North Star. Yeah, so true.
0: I even think about when you were saying, you know, we're too fat, we're too this. Even, you know, if we have too much money, we must be a bitch it's one that oh, i yeah. hear all the time yeah oh my
1: gosh so it's like it oh my god deep. we can't win Ugh. it runs deep and and what it also does to us as a collective because it's the tactic of divide and conquer if you have shame you're going to have trouble connecting with another woman right because you're going to judge yourself judge her we're going to have trouble connecting and if we are disconnected from our our true power and each other then patriarchy stands <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah, we won't
0: sure. we won't change the, the norm, right? We won't have the power yeah, to.
1: Yeah, exactly. And we have so much power outside buying into these lies.
0: Yeah. Oh. Thank you so much, Dr. Valerie, for being on here today. Where can everybody go and find you and find the book? And I hope everyone goes out and buys this mm-hmm. book because it's incredible.
1: Thank you so much, Lindsay. DrValerie.com, that's D-R-V-A-L-E-R-I-E.com is where you can check out the book, uh, download the first chapter for free to check it out. If you already know you want the whole book, um, um, that page will also take you to the Amazon page where you can get it. On my website, there are also free resources that I mentioned, the Repower Tool and uh, Meditation on Desire. I also have a podcast where I um, talk to women leaders about this particular topic and we unpack it further. So check that out too on my website, uh, Her Success Radio. And you can always um, just send me a message. I'm on social on Instagram and Facebook at Dr. Valerie Rain, and email Valerie at drvalerie.com. And I'm saying that because sometimes people get intimidated and think like, "Oh my gosh, she must be so busy." And you know, um, I, I do have a lot going on, but I love hearing from women about how, how they're resonating, how they're being impacted, what questions they have, and we're always developing and putting out there new tools, and these are based on what I'm hearing from you. So don't be shy. Please reach out. Let's uh, pierce through that status quo, thinking that I'm not worthy of <laughs> being heard from. You are. <laughs> I welcome hearing from you.
0: Yay, thank you again so much, Dr. Valerie, for your time today and for all these amazing resources. I cannot thank you enough for sharing your message in the world.
1: Thank you so much, Lindsay, and thank you all listeners for tuning in.
0: Thank you for joining me on this episode of Become an Unstoppable Woman. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you get new episodes every Monday. And I'd love it if you left a review for the show too, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. If you want even more from the show, come join the conversation online in my community. Each week, we break down the episode and you have a private space to ask your questions. To join, go to Lindsay, forward slash community. And if you feel like you're really ready to change your life, let's work together in my coaching programs. I have a free assessment. That's the first step to seeing if we're a good fit. Just go to lindsayepreston.com forward slash assessment to take it now. Thanks again for tuning into the show today. I'm so grateful you're here and I'll see you next time. But until we meet again, Remember, my friend, you're only as unstoppable as you believe you can be. So believe in yourself. You got
1: this.